Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Thursday night, if you're not watching Thursday Night Football, you should be listening to myself and Paul Moyer here on Hawks Live. Every Thursday, 7 to 9, the Seahawks are took an L to the Green Bay Packers. 17 to 0. They dropped to 3 and 6. The Packers are 8 and 2. Not the game that you wanted to see out of Russell Wilson on his return. This guy was 20 of 40 through zero touchdowns, two interceptions, rushing the football. The Hawks had 16 carries for 75 yards. But on the positive side, defensively, they held Aaron Rodgers 23 to 37, 23 of 37. One interception did not get inside the end zone. Devontae Adams has seven for 78. So there are some positives to build off of this. That was a huge game for the Seahawks. The defense held the Packers to three points going into halftime, zero points in the third quarter. The fourth quarter, they got things going. It seems like this offense was not able to create long drives and just touch the end zone one time. Yeah, uh, obviously frustrating. Um, By the way, uh, you can do both. You can listen to us and watch the game, Boom. just like I'm doing, listening to you <laughs> and watching the game. I think the frustrating part is the defense just finally turned it around. I mean, yeah. when I say finally, we were waiting for Sunday to see, to quantify that, yes, they're a good defense because uh, we had played well the last three or four weeks, but we're like, eh, maybe that quarterback's not that good or the offense isn't that good. Uh, we knew the Packers were, and obviously with Aaron Rodgers, one of the best in the game. So I, so that's frustrating because the offense, I, that's the worst. Well, I haven't, they haven't been shut out since I, I can remember. And uh, I, having Russell be a little rusty, yeah, sure, I, that's somewhat expected. What I didn't expect was us to revert back to kind of last year, where not really trying to run it. And part of that is we couldn't get anything going. We only had like 15 plays the first half. So that kills your game plan right there. But the offensive line really struggled. Um, I felt Russell went back to that. I'm looking downfield. I'm I'm looking for the big play all the time. I will say this. Green Bay locked us up too. There were times where I'm like, Hey guys, yeah, y'all got to do something. We got, you got to get away from your guy. You got to get a good release. There were times that Russell got some heat and there's just no one to throw to. But there's still checkdowns. And that was the frustrating part where he just I'm looking, I'm looking, it's not there. Boom, drop it down. The far the longer he holds it in a zone, the farther the, the underneath coverage gets defensively, and the bigger those checkdowns are. And that's again, I thought they corrected that a little bit last year. Um it's just rusty, disappointing by the offense, obviously. Yeah, I'm going to say that Russell felt like he needed to win this game for his team. He goes, look, I've been out three weeks, four weeks, if you include the bye. We're going into Green Bay, haven't won there since 1999. That's 10 straight these guys have lost. He's thinking, i got to go out there and i got to put this team on my shoulders and make the play. That's why he forces it to DK in the end zone. Mm-hmm. That's why he forces it to lock it deep where there's two safeties smothering him. He felt like he needed to make – the play and for the first time I heard Russell step up to the podium and own all of that like I, w- I was waiting I'm, I'm sitting here and we're both sitting there we're like look how is he gonna handle this situation is it gonna be this the generic hey we'll be okay I gotta we're gonna move on we're gonna correct things he goes nah that's on me I gotta own it I need to make better decisions it comes down to two plays um probably more than two plays in that game you know more you're you're known for picking out four to five plays but those were two big plays so I appreciate him stepping up to the podium and saying, look, 
hey, guys, that was on me. So we know that last game was on him. So now we're moving forward because that's what you do in football. That week is over with. Let's focus on who's coming up next. That's the Arizona Cardinals. They are 8-2. and two. They won seven in a row before losing to the Packers, beat the Niners, and then lost to the Panthers, but they're missing Kyler Murray, A.J. Green. I'm not A.J. AJ playing that game? I'm not sure. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was out. They lose Chase uh, during that game. These Arizona Cardinals, uh, I feel like every week we've kind of looked for reason not to believe in them. Like, it's the Arizona Cardinals, right? They're not going to do anything. But uh, there's no denying the talents that they have. James Conner is a touchdown machine. He has 11 rushing touchdowns. You got Christian Kirk. With all the talent they have in that receiving core with DeAndre Hopkins, with A.J. Green, Christian Kirk is leading the charge with 47 catches, 603 yards, four touchdowns. Hopkins has 35 for 487, seven touchdowns. A.J. Green, 30 for 460 and three touchdowns. And then Rondell Moore has helped out as well with 36 and one touchdown. They got some weapons. They're loaded. This defense has been playing well. They're going to be tested again. Yeah, and their offensive line's pretty good, too. I mean, that used to be a huge weakness of Arizona. They've they've shored that up and, and, and have done a good job. Look, when the season started, I was watching in preseason. I wasn't worried about Arizona because they looked the same to me. Uh, Kyler Murray looked the same to me. Well, the regular season, he doesn't look the same to me anymore. <laughs> you know, and you just look at his statistics now. He's completing, you know, 72% of his passes, really. Let's round it up to 73. As you mentioned, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions, a little bit high. Um, but they're a complete team. And, you know, I think Green Bay is still a team that their defense is legit. Yeah. Um, and you've got Aaron Rodgers with all those weapons. And for what they did going into Arizona and beat them without all their – People to me, you got to kind of grab that game plan because Aaron Rodgers really willed that game, not with big time throws. It, he wasn't pushing the ball; it was dink, it was dunk, it was just let's just keep moving the chains, let's just time a possession, let's play field position battle. And I think one thing I, I wrote down in my notes: we're, we're analyzing what was wrong with the defense, what's wrong with the offense. Should their offense throw the ball? Should their offense run the ball? Should the offense play up tempo? So. What we just got to find what's the best way to win a football game, and really the head coach, you sit with the whole team, you say, "We're playing the Arizona Cardinals. Here's the best way for us to win the game, and the, our game plan going into this, we're going to run it. And they better try to run it because they're 31st in yards per uh, average defensively against the rush. It's kind of their one weakness. Because mm-hmm. everything else, they're they're top five uh, defensively. What is it? And, you know, and there can't be any conflict. Can't be, oh, you know, we got to let Russ cook. It can't be, oh, we should be running more screen pass. Oh, we can't. What is the best way to stink and win this game? And is it to put it on the defensive shoulder? Is it just to play field position battles to try and actually win time of possession? I don't know what that is. You know, I think it is. I think it's smart football. It's all, it's field position. It's running in on third and short. I don't care if it's a, it's a, if it's an obvious rundown situation. It's throwing those check check downs that you mentioned. It's just playing smart. I think when this offense is struggling, you can't roll the dice that much. And but thankfully, this defense is playing at a high level. They're going to bail you out here and there. But this offense just needs to put a bunch of plays together and move that thing down the field and get the run game going. It's been a while since we we looked at this run game and say, okay, they're good to go. I think the last time was against the Steelers. Is that when Alex Collins went for over 100 yards, first time since 2019? Yeah. The Hawks had a 100-yard rusher. Um, it comes down to basic football. It comes down to keeping it simple, silly. 
Keep it simple. K-I-S-S is what we used to call it. Not silly. <laughs> we called it something else, but we don't want to get in trouble here. So let me throw this out. Do not take this wrong. And the reason why I was thinking about, we just got, how do we win the game? What's the best way to go in and win this game? You know, again, sometimes to air it out, sometimes to run it. We've been on Shane. People have been on Shane Wald, a lot of social media. Mm-hmm. We've gone through Bevel. We've gone through Shoddy. We got Shane Waldron. I'm tired of hearing about offensive coordinators. They call the game. They put the game plan in. At the end of the day, it's the players to execute and win football games. Yep. We Do we have enough talent? I, it, it's either coaching, talent, mm-hmm. Ex- scheme, or or, execu- or coaching execution. the talent. It can't be coaching the talent as well, right? Because if you can't get your players to execute your vision, Ooh. your scheme, then it has to be something in the approach, right? It has to be something in the coaching. Because I, 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 I think Waldron's scheme is fine. I like what he's trying to do, but for some reason it's not connecting. Well, the reason why I'm just saying that, I go, I feel like it's the same story. We're having the same type of conversations over the last six years, mm-hmm. you know, and we, all they've done is won and been successful with with Pete's philosophy. It, it can't be every coordinator's issue, right? It, at the end of the day, you guys are talented. You're making a lot of money. Go out and play, kind of what you just said. Just go play football. Just make good decisions. And I think it'll be I think it'll work out. Maybe we don't have the talent. You know, I, that'll be something to to address, too, because. We've been good for so long, it's, it's hard to win in the draft world when you're always drafting way into the 30s or into the second round. That's why I think the Seahawks got Jamal Adams, gave up the first-round picks they did, knowing that normally we're going to be so late in the draft, it's worth it, and we have so much salary cap room going into next year, we'll make it up in free agency. Okay, Real quick, where don't they have the talent? Are you saying they should have went after Odell Beckham? No, 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 no. That's I, I, I don't think that works out long term for the Rams in the way they th- hope. But no, that's not it. And we let's talk about more about that when we come back from break. Hey, we'll come back from break, <laughs> and when we come back, we'll get an opponent preview from Darren Urban from Cardinals dot com. That's next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thanks for joining us on Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumps with Paul Moyer. We're going to dive into this week's opponent, the Arizona Cardinals. We're going to talk to Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. Darren, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? We are doing okay, man. For a couple of years, we've been looking at this Cardinals team and thinking, man, they're almost there. They're almost there. At 8-2, and two, have these guys arrived in what has been the deciding factor or the difference between this year and other years? Well, I mean, I do think they're in a better position this year uh, than obviously the last couple. They've, they've come together quite nicely, and if they can find a way to keep their best players healthy, namely Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, I think they'll be in a lot better place. But, uh, yeah, they when, when Kyler is playing, and in, in specifically they've played – Excellent football. They've been great on the road. Um, you know, are they a perfect team? They're not a perfect team. I don't know if there is one of those in the NFL this year, but um, I, I do think that uh, if these guys come back healthy after the bye, especially, um, they have a real good chance uh, to make a deep playoff run. I talked to some of my Arizona alumni people. They say it's nice and beautiful weather down there, so we're jealous. Um, Darren, you've been 
covering these guys for 22 years. And they've had some good teams, you know, particularly when Kurt Warner and, and stuff were there. Is this the best Arizona team you've seen? I mean, I'll be honest, Paul. We, there, there's so much football left in this season that I think some of that has to play out. Does it have the uh, ability to be that team? Yeah, I do think it does. I mean, if you think of the best uh, two teams uh, or the best eras, I guess, that I've covered in the last 20 years, uh, there would have been the, the Kurt Warner teams, like you said, where they won back-to-back division titles in 08 and 09. And that was a flawed team in a lot of ways uh, that kind of rode Kurt Warner for a long time. And then there was the one in the, in the mid-2010s uh, with Carson Palmer and, and Fitz and, and all those guys that uh, I think might have been a better team than the previous iteration. They got to an NFC Championship game, but they suffered some key injuries, especially in 2015 when – Palmer hurt his finger and Tyler Matthew blew out his knee. So, you know, again, I, I need to see where this, this uh, season goes. If DeAndre Hopkins barely plays the rest of the way because he's hurt, uh, it's going to take a lot away. If Kyler Murray can't get on the field sooner rather than later and get back to where he was, then, then we'll see him. And obviously this team started very well last year and did finish great. But I, I think they've got the capability of doing it. I think they're a deeper team. I, I think they're built so that they can – uh, they have more skill guys. They run the ball better. Uh, they have a better defense. I mean, overall, uh, they have a chance to be one of the better teams uh, since this team moved to uh, Arizona. I, I'm looking at one of your tweets with uh, the injury list there, and one of the things you, you talked about uh, are the injuries, but uh, Buda Baker, you, you, status bears watching. You got you know, DeAndre Hopkins, who hasn't practiced in the last two days. What, what do you know? I know it's harder nowadays just – because we're not down there all the time, but uh, what, what do you know about some of these injuries? Well, I mean, DeAndre Hopkins is a guy that you know he hasn't he hasn't practiced since uh, before the uh, October twenty fourth game, um, and I, until he gets back on the field, I, I find it hard to believe that he's going to be ready to play. Um, and and with a bye coming up after this game, I think they're going to want to be careful. I don't know uh, a lot about the Buda Baker injury. Um, you know, he opened the week limited as a heel, and I thought maybe he did something in the game Sunday. Um, but now I'm starting to wonder if maybe he got hurt in practice or something because he didn't practice today. Tomorrow, obviously, will be a big deal. You know how kind of practice goes in a week. Friday becomes a big deal. So we'll be watching what happens with Buddha tomorrow, uh, and obviously we'll be watching to see what Kyler Murray looks like tomorrow. Hey, Darren, we know this is a quarterback-driven league. You guys have a quarterback who's playing well right now. Kyler Murray is completing 72% of his passes, 17 touchdowns. What have you seen in his progression as a quarterback that allows him to play at such a high level this year? Well, I mean, Kyler, I think, made a lot of the normal strides that you would see from a quarterback in those first couple of years. I mean, he, he, he was the offensive rookie of the year. Uh, he did make a Pro Bowl last year. It's not like he was playing bad football, but uh, he, w- he was taking those steps. And he didn't you know, I, in a lot of ways, a lot of people like to make the comparison between Kyler and, and Russell Wilson because of similar statures and everything. But, but obviously when Russell came in, he had the luxury of having arguably the best defense in the league for a number of years when he first started, so they asked less of him. Whereas Kyler came in uh, to a team that was in bad shape all the way around, and they needed more from him. And, and he wasn't able to deliver every time. But I think this year um, – in addition to the things he does well, which is 
uh, amazing escapability and making some off-schedule throws. He has been really good in the pocket, and uh, they, they've shored up the offensive line. He's been more patient in the pocket. They have more of a passing game in the middle of the field, whereas the last couple of years it felt like uh, they were only attacking deep or on the sidelines, where now in the middle of the field is in play. Uh, and, and, and I also think he just makes better decisions, and he said that himself. I mean, you get three years into your league, you've seen most of what people are going to throw at you, and, and that just was going to take time. And I think that's kind of where he is as a quarterback right now. Kind of a two-question one for you, which I shouldn't do, but I'm going to. Um, you know, everybody knows about the offense, and, you know, there's, it's usually where the star names are, but this defense is, is legit. I'm a little, little surprising on some of their, their run defense numbers, but overall, really good. So, uh, one, how big of an impact was losing J.J. Watt? And share with our listeners just some names that we don't know about and why they're all playing so well defensively. Well, I'll start with J.J. Watt, and I think he was playing really well when he went out. Now, he didn't have a bunch of gaudy numbers, but, you know, you look at some of the ways, uh, some of the analytics and how they, they look at, at, at linemen now without the stats and, you know, uh, pass, rush, win rate, and, you know, run-stopping rate, and he was one of the best interior defensive linemen in the league when he went down, and... Uh, he just he gave them a presence in the middle that just isn't there right now, and uh, you know they're going to have to live without it, obviously. And and maybe he comes back sometime in the playoffs, but you know if not, you know that's that's the risk you take by taking a guy who you know has had some injuries, but it was worth the risk to them. And I I do think he was a big reason why they started the way they did. Um, as far as the rest of the defense. Uh, you know, everybody knows Chandler Jones, who had a really good first game, and he's kind of been up and down since then trying to find his, you know, some of those sacks. But Marcus Golden on the other side, a guy that started with the Cardinals, left as a free agent, has come back, is having a really nice year, and he's got nine sacks right now. Um, so that's a guy that I think is, is playing well. Zach Allen is a young defensive lineman who, in his third year, seems over the last couple, three weeks, has really found a rhythm. Uh, now that J.J. Watts out, they've really had to lean on him, and I think he's been solid. He's, he's not spectacular, but he's been solid. Uh, and I think Isaiah Simmons, who, um, you know, he just started playing some significant defensive snaps last year when the, the Cardinals went to Seattle. Um, he's had a solid season. Uh, you know, he, he has, still has some young person moments, um, but he, uh, I think, is playing a lot better. And then the last guy I would mention, would probably be Byron Murphy. You guys are familiar with him, the cornerback out of Washington. Uh, he took over as their number one cornerback when uh, Patrick Peterson left as a free agent, and I really truly believe he's turned into one of the better cornerbacks in the league, and he deserves some Pro Bowl consideration. and And he and he's been uh, he's been really excellent. Darren, man, we appreciate your time. We hope the Hawks make it a tough one on Sunday, man. You have a good night. I uh, appreciate you having me. All right, thank you. All right, that was Darren Urban from Cardinals.com. When we return, we'll talk to DB Ryan Neal. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. Thanks for joining us on Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. Now we are joined by DB Ryan Neal. Ryan, what up? What's going on, fellas? What's going on? Hey, you know, we're just talking football on a Thursday. Life is good, man. Hey, 
So I'm your birthday, December 24th. I was born December 13th. And you know what I got? I got a lot of, oh, this is your birthday slash Christmas present. When was your birthday? (laughs) Did did, did you get some of that? December 13th. Okay. Did you get some of that? Oh, man. Oh, heck yeah. Until I realized what was going on, then they had to change (laughs) stuff up. I called them slipping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to, I'm going to ask you more about this birthday because my daughter is, her, her due date is right around Christmas. So would you recommend that oh. she induces a week before, or is it okay to be right around Christmas for a birthday? Oh, she's done either way. She's too close. <laughs> <laughs> Just being she's in December, close. right? Too close. Oh, oh yeah. You, you crossing that threshold to December, you're too close. You're done for. <laughs> hey, Ryan, I always got love for guys who entered the league undrafted. Moyer and myself were both undrafted guys. And, uh, you know, people – don't really know the grind. You know, you're at practice every day. You might have a good practice one day, might not have one the next day. You don't know if you're going to be uh, cut or not. How how mm-hmm. gratifying is it for you to be where you are now, knowing the journey that you've had to get into this league? I mean, it's a huge blessing, man. I'm just, you know, thinking back on it, like you said, coming into it, you know, you're already, you know, undrafted, and, and, and unfortunately for you, mistakes are something that you just can't have, and, and, and you're on a you're on a different kind of a time clock, you know. And it's kind of one of those things that whenever you get an opportunity, you 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 out of all people have to ace it at all costs because it may be your last. And so, um, just looking back on it and looking, you know, back to the journey, man, I'm blessed, man. This is really gratifying for me finally being able to, you know, go out there and play ball, man. It's something that you know you've been dreaming your whole life and. When you get so close to it, you've been watching it, you know, from the sidelines. Like, man, I just really want that opportunity to be out there, and it finally came through for me. So, you know, I'm I'm very blessed. I know that story there, Ryan. I mean, I, yeah, I, I was an undrafted free agent safety, played seven years, but I played every position. I played both safeties. Mm-hmm. At times, I played nickel. At times, I played what we call strong linebacker. You you were kind of did a little bit that with you and Bobby uh, in the middle. What what are you most comfortable with? And I know you just want to play. But what are you most comfortable mm-hmm. position-wise playing? Man, I'll tell you what, safety's always been my bread and butter. I mean, ever since I was in high school, uh, I played that position day one. You know what I mean? And had my bouts at corner, but it's just it's nothing like playing safety to me. I mean, you, you see the whole field. Um, you can run and hit. You can make interceptions. You can do a lot of things. It's, it's fun, man, being able to play in space running around and, and being involved in the run game and the pass game, it's, it's, to me, is just the best position ever. And I, I've always had role models and idols who I just looked up to playing that position, just all the fun they had. Like, I look at Ed Reed or Sean Taylor or, you know, guys like that, just playing a position just so freely and just, you know, fast. It was, it was always uh, attractive to me. So safety for me is probably the, just the best. Do you like dropping down in nickel situations and playing more of that linebacker role and maybe line up on tight? You know, they they move you around there. I mean, I've seen you on big tight ends, wide receivers, <laughs> running backs, inside, deep. Um, but do you like sitting in that middle too? Are you comfortable at least in the running situations? Oh, absolutely. I mean, shoot, that's, that's the game right there, running and hitting. I mean, you, can, you don't get no better than that. <laughs> I love it all, man. Being in the box. I did it a lot in college, so you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's nothing but an extension of it to me. I love it, man. Linebacker is the next, the next best one. You know what I'm saying? You in the middle, you involved, and if you you know read stuff well, you can you can get a chance to steal some stuff, man. And those plays are always cool to watch. So yeah, I love playing that position. It's fun. Ryan, I remember you coming off the bench making plays against the Cowboys, and the following week you make a play against Miami. Um, you always seem to be in the right place at the right time. How was it? sitting on the sideline and getting your number called 
and just saying, look, man, I stay ready, so I ain't got to get ready. Man, that's that's what you do it for. You know what I mean? It, it's one of those things that when you in that grind, you know, that practice squad grind, you got to remind yourself, like, man, hold on. If I can make plays against the starters, the guys who are out there doing it, you know, on Sundays and big-name guys, if I can pick them off, I can make plays against them, I can make plays against anybody. So I'm going to just take the time to really work on my craft and, you know, compete at all times. So, you know, when that time came, you know, I was ready for it. You know what I mean? And coming off and making a big play, especially in my first game, that was just, man, a, a, a sign of relief for me. It was just, you know, like a finally, you know what I mean? And that it was, it, was, it meant everything at that moment, man. It took me days to even just have that register in my mind that, that it just came in that <laughs> to that situation. But, you know, it all works out, man. It all works out. Hey, coaches always want playmakers, and you're a playmaker. And you, your, your secondary's full of them. I mean, you got Jamal and obviously Diggs. There's another guy that's been really popping uh, and showing, and that's Trey Brown. I mean, he, he did it in college, and now he's getting an opportunity. I might just share uh, how he's developing and, and what you think of him. Well, you know what? We all, everybody in the room absolutely loves him. You know what I mean? And he has the one to to get better. And, uh, and that's the thing that you love to see. And the thing is, we're, we're you know, in the deep room, we're hard on him because we want him to be the best he can be. And we know he can be that good, you know what I mean? He he does it. He has the, the natural capabilities. Even, you know, people question his stature. It has nothing to do with that. He's just a gritty kid, very, very fast, twitchy, and he just loves to compete. And that's the thing that you love most about him. So, you know, we we take our time with him in the room, make sure he understands everything he's doing and really, and really you know, being great role models for him and, and just letting him just, just go out there and make plays and just help us out, man. He's doing a terrific job, and I'm, I'm proud of him for sure. Hey, Ryan, the NFL is in your blood, man. You got an older brother, Mike Neal, who played in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Green Bay Packers. Talk about his influence in your life as just a person and as a player. Well, you know, as a person, he's been in my corner, you know, forever. I mean, you know, blood brother full through and through. Um, growing up, you know, because he was a little bit older than the rest of the siblings, so he was kind of like brother-dad. But over the years, we have developed this real brother-to-brother relationship, um, him going through – you know, his time in the league and seeing his struggles and seeing his moments where he shined and, you know, kind of just observing it from a different point of view. And, and then when he finally seen that, you know, something that I really wanted to do, like I, you know, I told him, you know, all the time, like, man, ever since he did it, it just opened my eyes. Like, you know what? No, I can do it too. And he recognized that and continues to just pour into me, invest in me all through high school, college, all the way up to now still, um, still sending film clips, still asking questions gave me the lay of the land of the NFL before I stepped in it so I can kind of understand how it works and what goes on. And that just kind of kept my head in the right place going through. So, you know, football life and just likewise, we're always talking about life every single day, you know, just just figuring it out, trying to do the best for our family, for our hometown, you know, and always trying to make an impact. He's always been a heavy, heavy influence in my life. Uh, you know, I tell everybody, that's my mentor, man. That's my, that's my mentor. We talk every single day around the clock. So he's real. I keep him real close. What do you like to do away from football? I mean, look, it's a stressful business. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. What do you like to do to get away from football? Well, kind of taking advantage of the area up here, man. Seattle is a beautiful place. I mean, there's plenty of hikes to go on. I love going out and catching views, like sitting high in the mountains or just kind of just driving different places and catching different viewpoints here. Just to kind of clear my mind and just be in the stillness of it all. You know, I love hanging out, um, especially with family, that's my thing. I love when they come into town. We always have a good time. But I just love really chilling for real. I love hanging out and just relaxing and uh, catching the breath, man, taking a breath and just enjoying life, man, taking it for what it is. 
Hey, Ryan, big week coming up. You guys are still in the playoff hunt. <laughs> For, forget what the record says. You guys are still in it. What's the temperature of this football team right now? The, temper, the temperature of this football team is win at all costs. I mean, that's just what it is, and we understand that dynamic, and that's what we're doing. You know what I mean? We're going to work. Everybody knows what the stakes are. Everybody knows what time it is. And the thing about it is we always train that every game is a championship game, even though the record may not look like we have been in championship games all year. So this is nothing new. You know what I mean? It's something we always be getting ready for. And that's what we're looking at it as. And like I said, we all know it's at stake. So you can you can bet that guys are coming out. You know what I mean? We going we pulling from everybody, pulling from everywhere, all hands on deck. So that's just what it is right now. Hey Ryan, well that defense is playing great right now, man. You keep making plays. Good luck this weekend. We appreciate you taking time. Man, thank you. Thank you guys for having me, man. It's always a pleasure. Hey, already. Thank you, sir. All right. I love was, him, man. man. I love watching him play because he reminds me. Of you. A little bit. <laughs> Seriously, playmaker. 21. Well, he's 26, right? No, you're 21. You're yeah, 21. I'm 21, but he's yeah. not 21. No. Nah. He's 26. 26. Yeah. 21 and 26. Enough. Close yeah. enough. I see it. And, and if my, my granddaughter's born on December 24th, he's going to be even, we're going to be tighter. I like December 13th better. Let's make that happen. I, look, earlier is better. <laughs> that would work for me. All right. That was Ryan Neal. When we return, we'll talk to the professor, John Clayton. That's next on Hawks Live. Hawks live every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on 710 ESPN Seattle. You know what time it is, 745. You hear the funk in the background. I'm Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. So that means we're bringing in John Clayton. JC, what's up? How we doing? We're doing okay, man. What do you think about this Thursday night game, man? New it England's stinks. up 16 to 0. It stinks, it John? It stinks. It's come on, terrible. John. It's boring. I mean, come on. I mean, it was, it's predictably boring. I mean, I, I know... Uh, Bob and Dave and I talked about this, you know, at four o'clock. But uh, I mean, when you see some of the rank- rankings that come out, and he had, I think, Seattle in the power rankings at twenty-fifth, just really close to Atlanta. I mean, these teams aren't even close. I mean, it's kind of like comparing a couple weeks ago when Jacksonville came to town, and uh, you had people saying, "Oh yeah, if you with Russell Wilson out, Jacksonville's better." Atlanta's terrible. I mean, look at look at the pass, their offensive line, how bad it is. I mean, in before the season. I was saying how bad it is when I was looking at the scouting reports and everything else. And then you look at the defense, it's not that good. I mean, when you look at the yards uh, and the way that uh, the Patriots have controlled the ball, I mean, it's just amazing that it's only 16 nothing. John, I'm looking at the standings, and New England's basically a, a half game back of Buffalo. Mm-hmm. What do you think wins the AFC East? I still think it's Buffalo because I still think they're the better team, but it's now going to go right down to the wire because I think you can see New England, they're, they're looking really good. You know, Mac Jones is the best of the rookie quarterbacks playing so far, the five first-round picks. Uh, you know, and what, what's, what's the one stat? Uh, he's 6-4 and four as a starter, now going to be 7-4. and four, And the other uh, quarterbacks, you know, the five quarterbacks who played, including Stanford's uh, Mills, I mean, they're 5-36. and 36. So, I mean, he's won seven. They've won five. And then you can see defensively uh, they're getting better and better and better. Matthew Juden right now, you know, he's probably in the top four or five for defensive player of the year. He looks fantastic with his nine and a half sacks. And, of course, you know how good they are in the secondary, even though they were so good they could even get rid of Stephon Gilmore. 
John, the Rams have lost two straight games and look a little lost on offense. What are your thoughts going on in L.A.? I think, no, a lot of last week had to do, I still think, and nobody's confirmed this, had to do with his ankle injury that he suffered at the end of the game two weeks ago. Because, I mean, we've seen what's happened with Kyler Murray, who has now missed two and you know may, may be able to play this week, but he just wasn't throwing well. Then, of course, you make the adjustment, you lose Robert Woods, who is, you know, he was so dependable, and then you put in Odell Beckham Jr. and they force passes to him and then the other thing is they can't run the ball I mean they're not running the ball very well Daryl Henderson seems like he's always hurt so you throw all that together they're a little off right now but still they've got a great record and a great team well we'll go a little more Seahawks here because I'm looking at the NSC and I started to go down who's the best team it's really interesting Tampa Bay's lost two in a row or now the Rams Arizona's you know struggled with uh, some injuries um, so let's talk about some injuries. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked to uh, Dar- it was it Darren Urban, I believe it was, yeah. uh, earlier, and they're beat up. I mean, you, boot, you got Buda Baker. They, they say keep an eye on that one. Uh, yeah. uh, DeAndre Hopkins still hasn't practiced since, I believe, October 28th or yeah, something. Yeah, he, he's going to miss the game. Um, so one, who's, who's healthier of these two teams? Well, it's not even close. I mean, Seattle, you know, they, they've, you know, add, added a few guys that we don't know about. Again, we don't know, pretty much know that Carson, uh, Chris Carson's not going to be able to go, but I think, you know, they got good news on Dwayne Brown and, you know, you've got, uh, you know, Dwayne Estridge back and all that stuff. But I think what Arizona has like about 17 players on the injured list and a lot of them key guys. I mean, you know, no Hopkins, no Justin Pugh, the guard. Uh, that Max uh, Garcia, he's banged up on the offensive line. Uh, and, and again, you get the injuries on defense, and they lost Buda. Uh, Buda Baker's probably not going to be able to go. And then J.J. Watts on injured reserve. So it's like you throw all that together, that's not a good sign. And so it's like uh, they come into this game pretty beat up, and then you wonder if Kyler Murray is going to be out there. You know, how limited is it going to be with his movement? Because, you know, that ankle still is not going to be 100%. So it's like Arizona's clearly the more injured of the two teams. John, this Seahawks defense has been playing some good football as of late, allow 13 points against the Saints, 7 against the Jaguars, 17 against the Packers. Are you impressed with this defense, and do you think they can continue to play at this level? I mean, impressed, no, but I think uh, you can see definite improvement. I mean, again, you know, impressed would be a top uh, 10 type of defense, but they are doing a lot of good things. You can see the improvement in the secondary. I mean, D.J. Reed and Trey Brown have done a great job as far as coverage. You know, Jamal Adams, who was added to a list of guests today with a groin injury, but he was just limited in practice. I mean, he's making some better plays, and they actually started blitzing him a little bit more. I mean, you can see that uh, they're able to get a little bit of pass rush and all those different things. So in the end, I think that you're seeing some pretty good improvement from this defense. But, uh, you know, impressed? No, they still have to continue to get better and you know do it and sustain it for some period of time. Green Bay was pretty good. I mean, definitely underrated defense. I think we knew how good they were going into it because they've, yeah, they've given you know, Arizona a tough time mm-hmm. when they were healthy. Obviously, they shut us out. Um Last week, our offense, was that an anomaly, or is this what we're going to expect the next few weeks? Well, I, I mean, I think there's going to be a little bit of, you know, setup time for Russell to try to get back to being Russell. And, you know, clearly you can see that uh, two things that he had to do because he couldn't take a snap behind center. So it's like he had to take a pistol and shotgun. And I, I think the big mistake that they made is they passed the ball too much. 
I mean, so for example, when you think that they only had, uh, you know, 11 carries to running backs, that's a recipe for disaster. Didn't we watch that all last year when it was 60-40 past the run? And of course, what ends up happening is what happened in the game. I mean, the longer you go, the more you then have a tendency to get turnovers and they got two interceptions. And then, you know, what you, what's so sad about the defense is that, uh, again, defense played a great game against Green Bay, but when you're on the field two to one compared to your offense uh, and they just wore down. And that, that just happens. I mean, particularly when you have guys like, you know, Bobby Wagner and Adams and all those guys out there for, you know, over 67 plays. So it's like, uh, you know, that did catch up to them. John, the Hawks are still in the playoff hunt. Do they make the playoffs? Well, I mean, I think this is going to be one of the tipping uh, games to tip off where it's going to go. Because if they can win this one, then I think that they can make it at 9-8. and eight. You know, because, again, they've got the four easy games. You know, they got Detroit, Chicago, Houston, and Washington. And, again, Washington is 27th on defense right now. And, you know, they're down to basically, you know, uh, Tyler T- Taylor Heineke is the quarterback. Then if, if they can just go 2-2 two and two in the division, that's why this Arizona game is so important. Because if they lose the Arizona game, there's a good chance that they'll lose in Arizona, which means they'd have to get sweep wins against San Francisco and the Rams. But if they can go 2-2 two, two in the division – win the four winnable games. I mean, technically, they're the uh, third or fourth easiest schedule down the stretch, and that does help them out, and their schedule is so much easier than some of the other teams that I think that they can make it at 9-8. and eight. And again, where I'm, I'm still looking at is that uh, you look at New Orleans, and, you know, they were 5-2, and two, surprised everybody, you know, beat Seattle, but now once they lose Jameis Winston, now they're at the point right now where they're down to five and four, and I think they're going to continue to drop. You know, Alvin Kamara didn't practice today. Good chance he's going to miss his second game. And, of course, they've got a couple injuries on the offensive line. So I think they're vulnerable to continue to fall. And if they fall, you know, because they're one of the six winning teams in the NFC, then all of a sudden you have five, and you may have two chances for a nine-win team to be able to make it. John, you said this Thursday night game is boring. You know what's not boring is DK Metcalf. He always keeps it interesting. What are your thoughts on him? Do you feel like he needs to grow up, mature? I mean, just what are you feeling? He says he needs to grow up and mature. I think we all agree. You know, particularly now that, uh, you know, know, Walt Walt Anderson, the head of officials, is doubling down on the taunting rule. And you can see they're not backing down one bit. And so it's like, hey, they sent the letter out to all the teams and general managers and coaches and said, now, listen, you got to get your guys to start behaving and you know not do put themselves in that position. Well, Metcalf is one of the worst as far as that goes. And so I know he said today that uh, you know he needs to grow up. He needs to grow up. He needs to stay away from all the extra taunting and all the extra you know verbiage and everything else and just concentrate on catching the football and blocking. It's the one thing I don't like about the NFL when they go into the competition committee and come out with these decisions and mm-hmm. really the players just have no input whatsoever. And it, it drives me nuts. But, John, it's that time. What's on your mind, Professor? Well, I mean, again, I, 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 I go back into the taunting, you know, because, again, what do we have like now? 35 penalties in the first 10 games as far as taunting. And, again, what I don't like, I never, from the very beginning, 
I didn't like the taunting rule. Now I even hate it worse. And now the fact that, you know, they're calling as many as, you know, seven, eight a week is getting ridiculous. I mean, you know, you, you can have a dance by Cassius Marsh, and the next thing you know, he gets uh, hip-checked by uh, Tony Corrente, and he, he gets the uh, taunting penalty on him. Uh, you've got all the penalties going against Metcalf. I mean, again, I still look like the, the Metcalf thing when, you know, he climbed the goalpost, and, you know, they gave him a taunting for that, you know, because uh, they're saying, oh, yeah, well, you, you, you had an, an, an object that you dance. Like, I mean, the, the object's not going to get hurt. You're not going to cause any problems. None of these taunting penalties are going to lead to any fights or any injuries. It's not a safety issue. It's just a dumb issue. John, you made my night. Thank you for agreeing with me on this taunting ridiculousness, John. Hey, appreciate your time. You have a good night, man. Okay, thanks. All right, that was John Clayton. When we return, it's time to talk that talk. Me and Paul Moyer will square off on some issues. Is the best version of Jamal Adams yet to come? Can the Seahawks win without big gains from DK and Lockett? We'll let you know next on Hawks Live.